Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hark! I think I hear a Dano lark. It's the first day of spring. Yeah, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Is it spring yet? Yeah, dude. I, I'm like, I don't, I'm totally, I've been working guard. so high. I mean, listen. Yeah. Everybody works hard. It's not some pity party. We're yeah. not liberals here, but I have so much stuff going on between Spygate, the sequel, another project, wink and a nod, I'm working on, traveling back and forth, in and out of airports and stuff. It's like uh, I'm losing my mind. The video show, the audio show, you know, now working with Paula to put the video together. We appreciate all the nice comments on the YouTube channel. I was going through them on the plane yesterday, reading them. You, know, you guys and ladies out there are pretty awesome. I'm glad you like the video component to the show. So, uh, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it was it was all for you. So we really appreciate it. I'm glad it helps. Thank you very much for the kind words. And thank you. Yesterday I was up in New York. I ran into a bunch of people. Yeah, in New York. Some guy's like, the Big Dan, Joey Bag of Donuts <laughs> on the streets of New York City. I'm like, I'm, I turn around. I'm like, hey, how are you, buddy? Hey. It's so funny. Guys, some guys, I'm not kidding, in a suit. You think in New York City, where I used to live, right? This pocket of liberalism. You'd get a big, like, hey, Dan, like FCC would have to beep you out. And the guy's like, Joey, back at Donuts. Yeah, baby. (laughs) So if you listen to the show, you know who you are. Pretty cool stuff. All right, I got a lot of stuff to get to today. Uh, Thanks to one of my sources. It was really good. Uh, We've been picking apart some of the information. And here it is again, Joe. July of 2017, what we've been calling the internal Spygate Civil War date. What else happens in July 2017? Stay tuned. I'm going to get to that and some other stuff. Great show today. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Helix Sleep. There's nobody on the planet like you. So why would you buy a generic mattress built for anyone? You don't want that. You want a mattress built for you. Helix Sleep built a quiz. It takes two minutes to complete. And they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Not for your neighbor. Who cares about it? You love your neighbor, but you don't want to buy his mattress. You need a mattress for you. You sleep on your side. You a hot sleeper like me, a plusher, you like a plush or a firm bed with Helix. There's no more guessing or confusion. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Dan. That's Helix, H-E-L-I-X, helixsleep.com slash Dan. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life, not your neighbor's life. You don't need that. For couples, Helix can even split the mattress down the middle, providing individual support needs and field preferences for each side. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. My wife, my wife loves a Helix mattress. I told you. Sometimes she falls asleep on it, even though it's in my daughter's room and she's reading her a story. It's that good. Right now, Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders. That's up to $125 off at helixsleep.com slash Dan. That's helixsleep.com slash Dan for up to $125 off your mattress order. Helixsleep.com slash Dan. Check them out. Yeah. All right. So getting right to it. First, I just want to knock out this thing about the um, the Green New Deal before I get to the mm-hmm. internal Civil War date. So I have a, a Washington Examiner piece I pulled up for the show notes. It's a pretty good one. They write some really good stuff over there. Show notes are always available at Bongino.com. If you subscribe uh, to our email list, we will send you these articles every day, make it real easy for you. So Washington Examiner has a piece up about these uh, transmission lines that would be necessary for the Green New Deal now. <laughs> you may say, like, hey. what kind of story is that? Why would you want it to, why would you lead the show off with that? Because it's such a fascinating story about how largely far-left radical left 
politics sounds great on a national stage, but when the policies they implement, socialism, whatever, Medicare for all, you know, uh, the, the wiping out school choice, when those policies slam you in the cajones, right? I know how to say it, the cajones, all of a sudden it doesn't sound so great. So here's the headline from the Washington Examiner by Josh Siegel. Big problem facing the Green New Deal, lack of power lines to deliver wind and solar. Joe, the story here is basically this. Uh, the Green New Deal by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and all of these Democratic presidential candidates that jumped onto it, Kamala Harris right. and others, that said it was such a great idea, right. it, it mandates a 100% renewable energy economy, meaning solar and wind. Right, right. Oh, okay. All right. And everybody's like, the libs are... <laughs> just like, hey, he knows where I'm going. He's like, he said, all right, all right, I get it. So, so 100% renewable economy, uh, windmills and solar. Now, I already said to you, that would require about 500,000 square miles of land for windmills and for solar panels. Uh, no big deal. Just basically the entire state of California and Texas, uh, states of California, Texas, would be have to be wiped out for solar yeah. and, and windmills. But forgetting that, that everybody in California and Texas would have to move out so we could, we could basically raise the entire state for solar panels, right? And that's assuming the sun shines and the wind's blowing all the time. One of the more fascinating uh, that Josh Siegel puts in his piece, fascinating uh, pieces of analysis done on this is, well, how are you going to get the electricity from the solar panels where the sun's shining, Florida, Texas, the south? How are you going to get it up to where the sun doesn't shine all the time, like Bangor, Maine, parts of Michigan, Wisconsin, North Dakota? How are you going to do that, Joe? Well, that oh, is carrier a pigeon, of course. <laughs> yeah, I was a little over you. You're going to do it by carrier pigeon. carry door oh, cell dude. batteries, right? Um, yeah. Well... <laughs> You're cracking me up. There. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. No, of course you're not going to do it by carrier pigeon carrying Duracell batteries or whatever energizers. The energizer buddy across, walking across that little energizer buddy. You're going to have to build transmission lines. So he brings up an interesting point. Here's a cut from the piece, a, a little snippet from the examiner piece. He says at the end that he quote in between states that only serve as locations of the line don't see much benefit. They see it more as a problem and can stop all this stuff from being built. Oh, that's hysterical. Siri just so what he's based Siri just picked up on my phone. That's uh, uh -huh. think about this, Joe. <laughs> so you live in a state, yes. let's, let's say throw something out, Tennessee. Right. And Tennessee needs the transmission lines to be built across Tennessee to get solar energy from Florida to say Michigan. Yeah. Okay. So you're sitting in your house one day in uh, Nashville. And you just bought this nice property, you know, maybe on the outskirts of town. Mm -hmm. You like Nashville. You don't want to live in the city, but you're in kind of the burbs or maybe the exurbs around Nashville, whatever it may be. Yeah, baby. You get away from it all, but you love the energy. Next thing you know, a transmission line, Tennessee power and light, whatever it may be, shows up. And in your backyard, you're out there playing with Fido. You're throwing him a bone and Fido's running away. And you see this guy in your yard and you're like, hey, hey, bro. Hey, bro. You know, because you're a liberal and you think this is all cool, of course, right. you know. You're a lib, you believe in the Green New Deal. You're like, hey, bruh, hey, bruh, what are you doing in my backyard, bruh? You know, you got your Snuggie on, you're throwing your bone to Fido. And he's like, what do you mean? You supported the Green New Deal. I'm here to build a mega transmission line in your backyard so we can get the power from Florida to Michigan. Hey, bruh, what do you mean, bruh? It's not for me, bruh? No, no, it's not for you. We're just running the line through your state. 
to get to Michigan for power. Oh, hey, bruh. Yeah, yeah. Hey, bruh. I didn't sign up for this, bruh. B-R-U-H, not B-R-O. Hey, bruh. I didn't <laughs> sign up for this, bruh. I got my Snuggie on in the back. I love AOC. I got my socialism wind shirt on the front. You know, we got our don't feed the hipster shirt on today. Yeah, but, but you are a hipster. Hey, bruh. Hey, bruh. You got your hipster beard. Hey, bruh. Bruh. I didn't sign up for this, bruh. No, you did. Because there'll be transmission lines running all over the United States on what uh, Josh Siegel in this Washington Examiner piece, right? He's quoting someone, by the way. uh, He's quoting another researcher who calls them the in-between states who are going to be like, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. Joe, this is classical what? NIMBYism, right? Yep. yep. Not in my backyard. Not in my backyard. There you go. You're darn right. Are you cra- folks? People don't want people don't even want their backyards in their backyards. They don't want some. I'm serious. There's some people in their own backyards. Like if your neighbor were to plant a tomato plant and a leaf <laughs> falls in your backyard, you're ready to burn down your neighbor's property. You think some Tennessee power and light dude is uh-huh. going to show up in your backyard when you're throwing a bone to fight or when you're snuggy? Put a big monstrous pole in your backyard, run a huge transmission line with a transformer that's going to hum 24 hours a day, and you're going to be like, hey, bro, that's totally cool. You're going to lose your minds. But uh, I want to talk about it first before I get to the other because this is liberalism. It is this emotion-based, non-fact-based, non-real-world analysis of the current political situation mm. and ideology bedrocked in emotional responses to real-world problems. A Green New Deal, yeah, bro, that's great. Solar, wind, oh, this is great. Yeah, we're going to build those in your backyard this year. No, nah, bro, <laughs> I didn't sign off for that. Of course you didn't. You're a liberal. You didn't sign off for anything. You think, you think your neighbor's going to get screwed, not you. <laughs> Greatest story ever. <laughs> I saw that this morning. Is that not liberalism summed up, Joe? You bet, These Daniel. states will go crazy. Can you imagine, Mar- Joe, Joe, you live in Maryland, yeah, Maryland, man. where nimbyism is I lived in Maryland for a long time. Mm-hmm. Maryland's actually an interesting state because it's it's a liberal state, but it's really not. It's right, really right. three liberal counties, as Joe knows well. Exactly. Baltimore City, but boys, which is, you know, 23 plus, not really a county, but Baltimore City, Montgomery, and Prince George's County. Without those three counties, Maryland is actually not only conservative, but very conservative. Western Maryland is Mountain Maryland, and the Eastern Shore is is hugely conservative out there. So Maryland's one of these fascinating states where, although it votes liberal, mm. nimbyism out there is, uh, oh my gosh, Joe, hey, try daddy. to put a windmill on the right, on the Eastern Shore of yeah, Maryland, man. where people have waterfront property. Mm-hmm. Even the liberals on the Eastern Shore will be like, hey, brah, that ain't for me, man. You better hey, that windmill down. View. I'll burn that thing down. Yeah. I'll drop a, 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 a tactical nuclear weapon on that thing and blow it out. <laughs> but it'll kill fish, too. I don't care. That was an environmentalist yesterday until you said right. you. Remember the rain tax? Oh, Folks, yeah. one more quick example. I'll move on, right? Joe and I lived through this in Maryland. Joe was on the radio at the time. Um where he was uh, running a show over there. And yeah. they had this rain tax in Maryland that a liberal governor O'Malley implemented. The rain tax was they would tax you on the amount of impervious surface on your property. And they were going to take satellite pictures if you had, say, concrete instead of uh, grass or if you had flat roofs on your commercial property. Mm-hmm. And the logic was that the runoff that didn't seep into the grass that was on, say, concrete would run into the Chesapeake Bay and pollute it right. so that you should be taxed for it. So it was called the rain tax. 
Folks, this was a disaster of epic proportions for the libs. Because again, in a liberal state that votes overwhelmingly, at least in presidential elections for Democrats, mm-hmm. all of a sudden people are like, hey, brah, what do you mean? I'm going to get a $30,000 tax for the flat roof of my business? Uh, no thanks. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden they voted in Larry Hogan for governor who basically won on a rain tax. It was remember that Joe? Yeah, I mean, this is forget it, classical man. nimbyism. Yeah, man. Oh man, we lived through that. It was like a, a for it, the opposition to this in Maryland was ferocious. People were going crazy. Remember Joe calling in the radio? Oh, the tax man. in the rain. Yeah. What else is next, man? The tax. They're, they're gonna tax my toilet bowl flushes next. Be careful! Don't give it. There was a flush tax in Maryland too. The big, because septic system tax. Right? Yeah, Don't the, give them any the ideas. Businesses were taking a bath, you know, with their parking lots oh, and big roofs. Gosh, they were getting crushed. Flat, I spoke to a guy in Anne Arundel County. He had a flat roof in this big industrial park. He's like, hey, man, I'm going to get like a $15,000 tax, but I can't afford yep. that. <laughs> like, what? I thought, I thought you liked Democrats. No, not anymore. <laughs> no. All, remember this, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> all politics are local. You can talk about this crap all you want. The Green New Deal, socialism, 70% tax rates. When that gets slammed in the wallets of locals who are voting in their congressional elections and everything, that Democrat brand is going to tank everyone with it. Let pin this to them. All right. Um, you know what? Let me read this so we can, because this is going to, folks, this is good. Um, I have a really, really phenomenal source out there. He's been really good. And yesterday I was looking over some documents and of course I get an email and boom, that July 2017 date again, again. I want to get to that in a great piece by Margot Cleveland in The Federalist that I'll put in the show notes. So uh, don't go anywhere. All right. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at BattleBox. Listen, most subscription boxes are full of samples and junk you're never going to use, right? Not Battle Box. I got one of these. I opened it. It was like a kid at Christmas. It's the monthly subscription box for men full of solid gear you can actually use for adventure seekers, survivalists, outdoor enthusiasts. This is not. This is the real deal stuff. Battle Box is your monthly subscription for hand-picked outdoor survival and everyday carry gear. It introduces you to the best products, new gear, and innovative companies at a much lower cost. Here's, this is where it's great. Then for you to buy this stuff separately. Plus, who doesn't like opening that box? You get the scissor, you open a box, you're like, look at this. Battle box, battle yeah. box, battle box. Go to trybattlebox.com slash Dan. By the way, there's no E in battle for the website. So it's trybattlebox.com. Trybattlebox.com slash Dan. Pick the box you want. They start at just $25 a month. Plus, they release a video for each new box. You can see what's coming and how to use it. They've shipped over a half a million boxes, and they won Best Men's Subscription Box of 2017. Sign up today and be ready for anything. Trybattlebox.com slash Dan. Trybattlebox.com slash Dan. You're going to love it. Uh, oh, by the way, folks, right now, the listener, our listeners get a free tactical knife when you sign up. Uh, that's trybattlebox.com slash Dan. You get a free tactical knife uh, for trying us out. Check it out. All right. Um, so this was fascinating. Remember I keep telling you about this July 2017 date. It keeps creeping up, yeah, right? Yeah. This is the date the uh, hits the fan, right? And it goes everywhere. So we know in July of 2017 what I believe and the kind of the impetus for Spygate 2, the sequel to my initial book, Spygate, mm-hmm. is going to be is that in July of 2017, Bob Mueller, the special counsel investigating Trump for Russia collusion, gets wind towards the end of July, or maybe towards the beginning. We're not really sure what date. But Bob Mueller gets wind of the fact that the inspector general investigating this case, the uh, Clinton, Clinton collusion case, has the infamous Peter Stroke text. Why is this important? Why does it matter to you? I cannot emphasize this enough. Because Mueller now knows that the lead investigator, Peter Stroke, 
who's having an affair with this other FBI lawyer working on the case, Lisa Page. They are texting each other back and forth, talking about all the corruption in this case. Uh, lures overseas, like fishing lures, like luring people in. They're talking about how Trump reporters smell, how there's an insurance policy. All this stuff is in the text. Mueller gets the text in July of 2017. And ladies and gentlemen, what do you think is the first thing on Mueller's mind? Because Mueller's only goal is to target Donald Trump and keep the heat off the Obama administration and the DOJ. Mueller's got to be thinking, holy, look at what's going on. What am I going to do? Yep. So July 15th, Lisa Page gets booted from the special counsel. Just a couple weeks after that, Peter Stroke gets booted from the special counsel, and all of this stuff happens. Now, the operating thesis from 60,000 feet we've been operating on for Spygate 2 is that when Mueller sees these texts about how corrupt the investigation into Trump was, Joe, he does what? He panics like anyone would. Because he's trying to keep the heat on Trump. Now he knows an external investigator, Michael Horowitz, knows everything, has the text and has this guy, has it all on file. So Mueller hits back. And I believe at this point, someone leaks information in defense of Trump to hit back too. So we have a number of things that happen in July of 17. Just to be clear, tell me you're following me here because this is Mm -hmm. super important. Mueller hits back by engaging in an unprecedented full frontal assault on the Trump team. I believe in an effort to lock people up and get cooperators before his entire operation is exposed. And that operation is keeping the heat off of what happened to Donald Trump because, again, Horowitz knows it. Now, what happens? We already know. That's when George Papadopoulos is arrested in this hurry-up arrest at the airport. Mm. I believe it's to shut him up and get him uh, somehow to shut him down, maybe try one last time to pin him down on some collusion that he wasn't involved in. I don't believe he was involved in. That's when the Manafort search warrant happens. All, I believe, efforts by Mueller to take attention away from what he knows is going to leak publicly, these devastating stroke texts. We know that's the, the July of 2017 is when the House GOP that's seen this evidence calls for a second special counsel. In other words, Joe, they're probably looking at this going, what the heck is this? We need a second special counsel. Mm-hmm. We also know that's when it leaks to John Solomon, who I, a reporter who I'm convinced knows the whole story, that Jim Baker, the FBI lawyer involved in this case as well, is being uh, investigated criminally for potential leaks to the media. I believe someone on the pro-Trump side leaks that, understanding they're about to go to this civil war over this case. Now we find out, you're like, well, Dan, why are you bringing this up today? You know, I don't repeat shows. I don't just bring it up to bring it up. Well, what did we find out yesterday in a striking new tidbit of information? Paula, put up that Associated Press headline. I'll have this in the show notes. I'm not a big fan of the Associated Press. Here's a headline. AP by Jim Mustian and Larry Neumeister. Records show special counsel, in other words, Robert Mueller, zeroed in on Cohen, Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, early on. Oh, they did? Wait, 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 wait. Early on, Joe, what does that mean? When exactly did Bob Mueller, who's panicking in July of 17 because these mm-hmm. texts are out there showing just how corrupt the investigation is to Trump is, he's got to distract people, arrest Papadopoulos, go get Manafort. We got all this stuff. Cover it up. Well, when did Manafort, when did Mueller start zeroing in on Donald Trump's attorney? Paula, put up that snippet from the article on the uh, on the screen here. Here we go, folks. I'll read it for you for yeah. your audio only. 
Hundreds of pages of court records made public Tuesday revealed that special counsel Bob Marlow quickly zeroed in on Michael Cohen, President Donald Trump's former personal attorney and fixer in the early stages of his Russia probe. Well, throw that back up. The heavily blacked out records released by a judge at the request of news organizations organizations, show that Mueller was investigating Cohen by July of 2017, much earlier than previously known. Oh, my gosh, folks. This was just released yesterday. Hat tip, my guy. Great, great catch. I was reading through it. um, I'll be honest with you. I read right over that part. The search warrants, the original search warrants, July of 2017. Conveniently, right around the time Mueller finds out the whole investigation's a scam. Again, please tell, this is where I am not trying to start a beef with people. I respect their work. Please don't take this the wrong way. You guys know who you are. There are some Twitter sleuths out there doing phenomenal work on this. This is not an attack. It is simply my opinion versus yours. And, and you guys can back yours up. I'll back up mine. There are still people out there who somehow insist Mueller's a good guy, a white hat. He's on the right side here and that Mueller's working in conjunction with the Trump White House to, to, you know, in the end, they're going to get all these bad guys. They are not. I'm sorry. Mueller is not a good guy. I honor the man's service to the country. What he's doing here is entirely unethical. It is clear as day to me in this rush to arrest Papadopoulos, get this warrant on Manafort. And then get the warrant on Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, in July of 2017, that he's not doing anything involving Russian collusion. He's doing it to hammer Donald Trump. Now, Joe, I'm going to wrap this up on this point. I want to get to another story by Margot Cleveland. That's phenomenal. But you may say, well, Dan, how do you know that the Papadopoulos arrest in July of 2017, the Manafort search warrant and subsequent arrest and prosecution... How do you know also that the Cohen uh, search warrant in July of 2017, the infamous civil war date we have, Mm -hmm. how do you know that wasn't related to Russian collusion and that Mueller wasn't doing what he was charged to do, investigate Russian collusion? Because folks, now now that this case, this is why Spygate 2, the book is so necessary, now that we've seen these cases prosecuted and the legal documents have been made public, Joe, was Papadopoulos ever charged with anything related to Russian collusion? Uh, let's see. Dan, I... Uh, no, he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't. No, right. was, no. uh, let me double down. Right. Was Paul Manafort ever charged with anything related to Russian collusion? Uh, you, uh, no, no, Dan, no. <laughs> no, he wasn't no, he either. Wasn't. No. Well, that's triple down. <sighs> Joe, was Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, ever charged with anything related to Russian collusion? Oh, gee, Dan, this is a tough one. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, it's no, tough. Dan, dig no. deep, dig deep. No, <laughs> no, 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 none of them were. We now know that this is all out now. When I originally wrote Spygate, none of this was out. Mm-hmm. We didn't know about the July 2017 Civil War date. This is when it all went down. Mueller clearly went after people unrelated to Russian collusion yep. because he never charged them with Russian collusion, and no one has ever pled guilty to any collusion charge with the Russian ever. Matter of fact, Joe, even worse, the Michael Cohen case, once Mueller's special counsel started looking into him conveniently again Mm -hmm. in July of 2017 when they found out their case was a train wreck because of the text, once they served the search warrant, they referred the case out to the Southern District of New York. Yeah. 
The Southern District of New York, a branch of the DOJ, Mm -hmm. not involved with the special counsel because it had nothing to do with collusion. Mortgage fraud, other stuff. Cohen pled guilty to. I'm not here to defend Cohen. You know, I don't like Cohen. I think he's a snake. But he was not involved with Russian collusion. It's clear as day. Yeah. Mueller not only didn't charge him with it, he didn't charge him with anything. He referred the case to Southern District. Southern District of New York saying, I have nothing to do with this. Folks, does this all make sense? I'm just, I'm really, I'm humbly and and respectfully asking to the people out there who still believe somehow Mueller's a good guy, what is your evidence of that? I don't understand what your evidence is of that. A couple of token prosecutions we're hearing of, you know, potentially looking at the Craig Craig, uh, Greg Craig right now, the old Obama White House lawyer for his legal work with Ukraine. Fine. That's a token prosecution. It's not going to hurt anybody. That's not evidence that Mueller's a good guy. He's done an absolutely awful, awful, terrible job. All right. um, I want to move on to this piece by Margot Cleveland because it is a stud. This is she's done really, really uh, great work. You know, I usually had to Jeff Carlson and Chuck Ross and 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 Kate's and others out there who are doing really good work. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good Twitter things out there. Um, uh, that undercover Huber account does decent work on Twitter. Um, a lot of good people, but I sadly I I don't know why. Just there's so many people I want to hat tip and pat on the back because there's really been phenomenal work. I leave out Margot Cleveland. I shouldn't. Her work at the Federalist on this. It's a library of material that's just so good. So she has another piece up today about now that, and the reason this is time sensitive to today, again, we don't cover old material in in new shows unless it's relevant, is now, Joe, we have Doug Collins, the House GOP member, who has been launching out now the behind closed doors testimony of multiple people, Mm -hmm. Lisa Page, Bruce Orr. We now have Peter Stroke's testimony. You may say, well, Dan, he already testified publicly. No, 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 no. He did, but Stroke also said things behind closed doors that we now have public, and some of the stuff he said, ladies and gentlemen, is like tier one level bombshell stuff because it outs the whole, of course, and you may say, well, well no one's talking about, of, co- of course they're not talking, only we're talking about it. You want the real news? Come here. You want the fake news? Go watch NBC. So here's the piece. Uh, Paula, throw that up for me if you don't mind on the screen. Uh, so Margot Cleveland, Federalist. Uh, did Peter Stroke lie or was there a spy char- uh, targeting the Trump campaign? This is where it gets fascinating. There's a, um, a, a section of this piece I want to read to you. This is really critical. Now, keep in mind, I covered this the other day. This is why this is important. The media is now trying to change the narrative. There are things you and I know. We know the case was based, the FBI's investigation of the Trump. Follow me, Joe. Stop me if I if I lead anyone astray. All right. The investigation of the Trump, the spying operation, all the nonsense they pulled on this guy, the warrants, the unmasking. We know it was based on political interests and their impetus for doing it, at least in the FBI, we know was the dossier. All right, right. Now, the left calls that a conspiracy theory. They say, well, the FBI said that the case was based on Downer's tip. Downer's tip about Papadopoulos in the bar saying they had dirt on Hillary. That's just not true. Downer has since recanted that. He said that Papadopoulos didn't say dirt. Uh, Downer has also said that he mentioned nothing about the Trump campaign being even knowing about it. We know this because Downer said this to the Australian, a newspaper. We also know that it couldn't have possibly been based on the downer, uh, the downer tip because an FBI agent by the name of Gata, Mike Gata, was in London meeting with Steele two weeks before they even opened the case. 
Steele, the alleged dossier author. Mm -hmm. So that, not, that story's bunk. Now, why is this important? It's important because the media needs to distract you from the fact that a fake Hillary Clinton paid for uh, oppo research document, the dossier was used to target a political opponent. It's as simple as that. That is the lead of the story. Yeah. The, uh, the Bureau, the FBI, the people at the management who did this, and their media lackeys who support police state tyranny desperately need to distract you from the fact that a political opposition document was used to weaponize government law enforcement entities. So they keep saying, no, no, it was about a tip from Alexander Downer. It's real, folks. It's the Downer tip. It is not the Downer tip. It is the dossier. Even worse, the dossier would indicate that a foreign spy, in conjunction with Russian sources, was used to feed political information to the Obama administration and to John Brennan that they pushed political figures to push the FBI into investigating Trump on. All of that is bad. So they need to distract you. So one of the methods of distraction has been to say, well, the Trump campaign wasn't spied on. Wow, Peter Stroke in this piece seems to believe otherwise. Let me read to you from the piece. Paula, throw that up on the screen for the YouTube audience. Uh, if you want to watch along at home, youtube.com slash Bongino. Please comment on the video cast of this podcast. Here we go. While Page and Stroke's explanations lined up in the main, she's talking about Lisa Page and Peter Stroke's testimony. Stroke's testimony added one significant detail. Emphasis mine. He spoke of having already, quote, received information, this is killer, from a very sensitive source alleging collusion between the government of Russia and members of the Trump campaign. So strokes now behind closed doors testimony. Leave that up a second, Paula. He talks about, let me just read this part again. He talks about receiving information from a very sensitive source alleging collusion between the government of Russia and members of the Trump campaign. Why is this important? Some of you may be picking up what I'm laying down here. Some of you may not. I will lay it all out. Don't you worry. So the official FBI police state media story, folks, is what? Downer did it, Joe. They got a tip. They mm. got a tip from Downer. Downer said Papadopoulos told him in a bar. Mm. In a boozy meeting. Mm -hmm. well, one gin and tonic. We're a boozy meeting. Told him about dirt on Hillary. But that's not what Stroke's saying. Stroke's saying they got information from a sensitive source about collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign. So you may say, okay, well, what's your problem, Dan? The FBI story's true. That sensitive source was clearly Downer. Um, no, it wasn't. Because Downer never made any allegations whatsoever about collusion between members of the Trump campaign and the government of Russia. Never. Matter of fact, Downer in that interview with the Australian has already said that he didn't he wasn't even sure the Trump campaign was even mentioned and that he's even retracting the fact that Papadopoulos said dirt on Hillary, that they had dirt on Hillary. That sensitive source. And why would Downer, Joe, be a sensitive source? Downer's nah. an Australian right. diplomat. He's not an F he's not an FBI source. No. In other words, Joe, tell me you're picking this up yeah, here, please, because you are the representative. That's Stroke is clearly referencing someone here. Yes, he is. Uh -huh. That is not Alexander Downer. True. He's not sensitive. He's not an FBI source. He's a diplomat. And there are no allegations in that back and forth with Papadopoulos at all that was supposed to have started the case. Right, right. Of collusion at all. None. Downer has since retracted some of the more significant claims that were made by the American media in their attempt to defend this downer. The downer tip started it all. It wasn't the dossier and a foreign spy working with the Russians that did it. 
Hillary paid for it. So you may say, oh, well, Dan, clearly they're talking about Christopher Steele. When I say they, follow me, folks. So we can, let's just do, uh, because I know liberals listen to the show, and you're, listen, I always welcome you here, but I know you have, you know, as, as our buddy Cole calls it, the vaccination. You've been vaccinated against facts in early age, and I'm sorry for that. But, but, but let's break through with a truth virus here, okay, that you're not immune to. Let's just do something simple, Joe. Let's do the process of elimination. All right. So Peter Stroke is saying, no, no, we had a source, and that's why this case was so important to us. Mm-hmm. Well, the FBI story was the source was Downer, but Downer can't be the source because what Stroke says the source said is not what Downer said. So we've eliminated Downer, right? Downer's You're out. You're tracking me, yep. Armacost? Downer's out. Okay, so number two. Okay, Dan, well, Stroke's saying that they started this case because of a source. The source was clearly Christopher Steele. Uh, no, it wasn't Christopher Steele either. Why? Because Lisa Page, Stroke's girlfriend, is claiming in sworn testimony behind closed doors, which we've already seen thanks to Doug Collins, GOP House member, good guy. Lisa Page is claiming under oath that they didn't even know who Christopher Steele was, Joe, until September. So if the case started on July 31st, Joe. Yes. July 31st of 2016, Crossfire Hurricane, Uh the corrupt investigation into Donald Trump. But the FBI is saying on the record that they didn't hear about Steele until September of 2016. Mm -hmm. How the did Christopher Steele become the source Stroke is referring to that started the case? (laughs) Somebody's lying, folks. Somebody's not telling the truth. Remember, the case starts July 31st, Joseph. Mm -hmm. If Paige's girlfriend's saying, we didn't know who Steele was until September, how then is Stroke telling the truth when he said, we received information from a sensitive source and alleging collusion? That's what started this. Ain't working. No, no, no. no, You're on fire day. Not working. So we can eliminate (laughs) Downer, because that's not what Downer said. We can eliminate Steele, or the FBI's lying about it, which I think may be true because the FBI's official statement is we didn't know about Steele till September. Finally, you may say, well, Dan, thanks to Chuck Ross's reporting at the Daily Caller, we already know about an FBI source, Stefan Halper, a central intelligence agency asset we know was spying on Papadopoulos and Page on behalf of the government right around the summer of 2016. Remember, he makes contact with Page and Papadopoulos well before the July 31st start date of the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, now it's starting to make sense. So if you listen at home, you're like, okay, so Stroke said they got information from a sensitive source about potential collusion. Yeah, Dan, that source is Halper. But that's not what the FBI is saying. The FBI has already said in their senior management, along with their police state hack media allies, Joe, Mm -hmm. keep in mind the lead, have already said that it was the downer tip that started this case, not Stefan Halper, an intelligence asset. Do you understand how these stories can't be true? Either Halper was spying (laughs) on the Trump team And it started the case, as Stroke seems to indicate, or he wasn't, and the FBI is lying the whole time. Those stories can't be true. Mm -hmm. 
that part's a little confusing about Halper. Let me let me say this again. The official story by the bureau is the July 31st crossfire hurricane propagated by the gaslighting media against Trump was started because Alexander Downer was the source of a tip. Stroke is saying under oath that they had a source that started this case. It wasn't Downer. Downer did not say what Stroke said the source told them. Steele, according to the FBI story, didn't come on board till September. The only guy who fits this timeline is Halper. I believe that's what Stroke is saying. Halper was our source. Hmm. So you may say, what's the problem? The problem is that doesn't comport with the FBI story. They're saying Downer's the source. You get it? Yeah, yeah. Somebody's lying. Read the Margot Cleveland piece very carefully. Folks, the FBI's official story that the Downer tip started this case cannot possibly be true if you understand the basic chronology of this case. All you have to do is look at the dates. Mm -hmm. Halper makes contact way before July 31st, before the case started. Is he the sensitive source? By process of sheer elimination, he has to be. But if he's the source, the FBI media story and the Chris Saliza, that goofball at CNN story that it started with the downer tip Mm -hmm. and Papadopoulos makes no sense. Now you're saying it started with Halper? Do you see how they're tripping over each other, Joe, oh, right now? Way out of sync, This dude. is the thing. Oh, my gosh. Right, Like, you and I were teenagers. And, <laughs> you know, when you're a teenager, you you tell white lies to <laughs> your mom and dad. Hey, what were you guys doing? You know, were you out in the park playing football? When I was a quick story, it's kind of funny. I dislocated my shoulder as a kid. My mom listens to my show. So, Mom, sorry I lied to you when I was a kid. My, my deepest apologies. But. I had dislocated my left shoulder really badly playing tackle football, like full equipment with no refs, by the way. And it was like a bloodbath <laughs> um, up in this hill in a cemetery um, in Glendale, Queens. It was an empty part of a hill in the cemetery and the ground was rough. People were constantly getting hurt, breaking things. So my mother had forbidden me, you know, to play football up there with these guys I used to play with. And so I go up and I dislocate my shoulder and she starts screaming. I had to go to the hospital. It was brutal. They had to pop it back in. It was an ugly day. Yeah. So of course, you know, me being the savage that I was when I was a kid, um, I go back the next week. I tell my mother, I think I'm like, yeah, mom, we're going out to a party with friends or something. Yeah. On Sunday at 11 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weekend party. Yeah, yeah. It's a pin the tail on a donkey. Uh, so I have my football equipment in the, in the back of my friend's car. <laughs> so of course we go up to the hill again inside the cemetery on Cooper Avenue and uh, what happens, Joe? I dislocate my shoulder again. I try to grab a guy running by me on a kick return, rips my shoulder right out. I have to go back to the hospital. And I'm now I like, I smell like football. So, you know, that, that football pad smell. I don't know what to do. So I, I wipe myself down with a baby wipe. I go home, I take the equipment off. And uh, I tell my mother, I'm thinking of a clever story, that I was in the passenger seat of a car. And for those on video, you can see this. And that I was my left arm. And that I had my left arm behind the driver's seat, like kind of like holding the back seat and my buddy stopped short and it popped my shoulder and my mom believed the whole thing. So mom, I'm really sorry I lied to you because, and then she took me to the hospital. I had a surgery like two weeks later. It was dislocated so bad. So, but these are the white lies we tell. The problem with these white lies is over time, you have to remember your own lies. Now, I remember that story pretty vividly because I was so afraid of the wrath of my mother for disobeying her orders, right? The problem with this lie, Joe, is you have to continue to remember your lies. 
And I believe Stroke in his sworn testimony forgot that the MPI official story is that Downer started this thing with the Papadopoulos uh, with tip. And that's why they're stepping on themselves. Mm. So easy when you understand the dates. Remember my, my credo here. Remember the names and I'm going to add, remember the dates. When you remember the dates and the names, all of this comes together. That's how that July 2017 thing keeps popping up on the timeline. Keep that July 2017 uh, date in mind. All right, moving on. I got a lot of other stuff to get to today. All right, today's show finally brought to you by buddies at Filter By. Hey, according to the CDC, about 7 million people are getting hit with the flu this year. Ah. Many think getting sick has to do with the cold, but that's actually false. We get sick because we spend more time inside, exposed to higher concentrations, uh, concentrations, excuse me, of airborne pollutants, including cold and flu viruses. You got to listen, we're indoors a lot. I'm indoors 90% of the time. You need to change your air filters. Who wants to be breathing polluted air? You want to improve your chances this season against the cold and flu? Start by improving the quality of your air with Filter By, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. This is one of those things that's so easy to kick the can down the road and forget about. But go to your computer and order yours today. I can almost guarantee you, many of you out there probably have clogged air filters and you haven't really thought about them. You know what, Paula? That reminds me. We probably should look at ours too, right? Filter by. Sign up for auto delivery and you'll save 5% off your order. They have over 600 different air filter sizes, including custom options that ship free within 24 hours. Plus, they manufacture their filters right here in the great old USA. Save time. Save money. Give yourself an edge this cold and flu season. That's filterby.com. Filterby.com. Filterbuy.com. Tell them the Dan Bongino Show sent you. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, interesting article I saw up in the Washington Examiner today about new pockets of support and how identity politics is starting to implode on itself on the left. Now, I've discussed this with Joseph uh, and, and Paula quite a bit on the show mm-hmm. about how identity politics, the compartmentalizing of Americans into identity groups that the left defines for you and then sicking them on, an, on one another um, is is a, a cannibalistic, uh, imp- is, it's going to implode, it's going to collapse on itself because the only way to get identity politics to work, and what I mean by that, Joe, is that mm-hmm. you're labeled by the left. Mm-hmm. In other words, what you think of yourself doesn't matter. The left wants you to vote according to a label they put on you. In other words, my wife's a perfect example. You know, Paula, I don't want to speak for Paula. She can speak for herself on the show. She she rarely opens up her mic. But um, what I can almost guarantee you, knowing my wife better than anyone, that the label that matters to her most is, you know, God first, mom second. You know, and then that, that it's not, that's how she votes. She votes her values and she votes her family. Uh, would that be a fair assessment, Paula? <laughs> that would be fair. She says that would be correct. There's a direct Paula quote. This, the fact that she's an immigrant from Colombia, I, I would, I don't know. I would rank that, I don't know, somewhere between 90 and 100 on her list of things. I, I just, it, it doesn't, she's, she's an American citizen. Like she works, you get what I'm saying, Joe? Yeah, but to the sure. left, the fact that my wife is Colombian, um, and right. then she's an immigrant that that should be paramount yeah but that that's not what my wife votes on my wife votes on her values she doesn't vote on that her immigration status she's an american citizen now but she doesn't vote on the fact that she's an immigrant to this. she doesn't i i know i live with her every day but the left needs you to vote on that mm-hmm. because they need to sick you against other people because why the left doesn't have a platform that's reasonable 
You see how we tie the whole show? And I started the show talking about the Green New Deal and the fact that nobody's talking about the transmission lines that are going to be in your backyard. The left knows that's impractical and that people would go crazy if they found out electrical lines are going to be built in their backyard. So what do they do? They distract you by saying what, Joe? Republicans hate the environment. Therefore, you should hate Republicans and vote for us. That's an emotional reaction. That's not a reasonable, rational reaction. Why is it emotional? Because it's not true. Republicans don't hate the environment. I'm candidly very concerned about plastic pollution in our ocean, breathing clean air. Liberals are saying, oh, no, you're not. You're a Republican. No, you're a moron. So you know what? If you don't, I don't really care if you believe that, by the way. I don't care. I know what's in my heart, and I know my heart is pure on it, and I know that matters to me. I watch this 60 Minutes thing on, you know, the plastic pollution in the ocean. It's devastating to watch. It'd be great if we could find a, a free market solution to that. The government will just screw it up. That really matters to me. Breathing clean air does matter to me. I spent some time in Beijing, China as a Secret Service agent. You ever try to breathe the air there? You can eat the air. It's so thick. It's gross. You think I was a Republican? I was like, this is awesome. Everybody go outside and suck in the air. Don't be an idiot. I'm sorry. That matters to us. That's why I'm suggesting to you that the liberal response to the environment is an emotional one. Republicans hate the environment. Dirty air, dirty water. Vote for us. They don't have a practical solution. So identity politics is always going to involve the implosion of the left on itself because they have to constantly seek out new victims by giving new labels to people. But by doing that, some of the old victims now become victimized. What am I talking about? Well, the left wants you to believe they're in it for immigrants who came to this country. No, 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 no. They're not in it for Chinese Americans. What, they're not immigrants too? Why don't they count? Joe, there is a huge backlash brewing in the Chinese-American community Mm -hmm. on a couple of issues. The first one, unrelated to the Washington Examiner story today in the show notes, but it's a good story. I strongly encourage you to read it. The first one is this affirmative action push in higher education institutions Pushed by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez at the lower level, by the way, at the grammar schools and high schools, to basically discriminate against Asian-American students who score high in testing because of hard work in favor of giving spots in elite schools to people who haven't earned it. Mm -hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted out the other day, you know, these elite New York City high schools, out of all the open slots, they only picked, what'd she say, seven uh, uh, black students. These are merit-based scholarships. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez clearly in her tweet is objecting to the fact that Asian-American students did well and got into the schools. That's what she's objecting to. They're based on scores. have nothing to do with race. You score good, you get in. It's simple as that. Yeah. Which is ironic because Ocasio-Cortez inadvertently, Joe, made an argument for school choice and doesn't even know it. But you know what? She, She typically says things she doesn't know anyway, so it's not unusual. But Chinese Americans and Asian Americans are starting to figure out quickly that the Democrat Party is after them. Their kids happen to study hard. Many, not all, obviously, we don't stereotype a positive or negative anyone. But many Asian Americans do very well. And because they do very well, they're not allowed in schools because those spots have to be held due to identity politics for others. It was only a matter of time before the we're in it for the immigrants line that the liberals tell you was, no, 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 we're not in it for the immigrants. We're in it for people who can politically advantage us, even if it hurts immigrants. But secondly, 
The Examiner piece today, if you want to throw that up there. Uh, Chinese Americans are becoming a unique pocket of support for the Republican Party in California. Interesting. Here's the title of the Examiner piece by Daniel Allett. Sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, Daniel. Uh, It's an opinion piece titled, Damn Socialism, Why Are You Chasing Me? Chinese Americans see the ghost of communism in the Democrats' leftward turn. There's a fascinating interview here, Joe, with a woman, part of this Orange County coalition of Chinese Americans, who initially coalesced around the fact that their kids are having a hard time getting into college Mm -hmm. because of discrimination against them because they study hard, right? This is Asian Americans Mm -hmm. and Chinese Americans. They coalesced around that issue, and they're now in their political activism that the Democrats started Mm -hmm. because they believe in discriminating against Asian Americans in college and elite New York City high schools, right? Yeah. They found another cause. Some of these Chinese Americans fled China precisely because of the totalitarian regime of socialism over there in China. And now they're saying, why are you chasing me here? I'm trying to get away from this stuff. How about that? So the point of the piece is, yeah, this is a big deal yeah, man. that a lot of Asian Americans and Chinese Americans are starting to find out that the conservative cause is the cause of liberty for everyone, everyone, not just the favorite identity politics groups of the day. Folks, I told you this was inherently cannibalistic. It is going to eat itself. This movement has to implode. You cannot pander to the black community excuse me, why simultaneously, simultaneously supporting unfettered immigration, unfettered open borders immigration where people can come in and not have to pay payroll taxes, can be paid off the books who are here illegally, are hurting some lower income communities that happen to be minority uh, communities because some of the jobs are being taken up by people who don't have to pay into social security, don't have to pay into Medicare because they came here illegally. They can't. They don't have a tax ID number or a social security number. Black communities are starting to figure out that unfettered support for teachers' unions, another group, you're a teachers' union, you vote with the Democrats. No, but I'm a mom and a parent. For, no, 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 you're going to vote as a teacher in the teachers' union. That you cannot support teachers' unions at the same time you can support black, Hispanic, and low-income white communities that have bad public school, schools because the teachers' union don't want school choice. Do you understand, Joe, how when you fight for freedom, there are no identity politics because you're appealing to the individual? The whole essence of conservatism is the essence of an individual's big R rights granted by God, not rights granted on group status. You you dig what I'm you you get what I'm saying? Yeah, big it's important. Time, yeah, oh yeah. We all we know your what you're individual Joe Armacost rights are not due, Joe, to your Scottish background or me to my Italian, Irish, German, um uh English background or my wife's Colombian background. Right. Regardless of your skin color, hair color, race, the language you speak, Lord the Lord Almighty has has Touched you on the right shoulder with big R, God-given rights to speak, practice your religion, petition the government, assemble. Those rights may be protected by government, not granted by such. But the left doesn't do that. They don't believe in big R rights. They don't believe in the individual. They believe in pockets of political support they can gain by leveraging identity politics to tell those political groups the Republicans hate you, vote for us, while simultaneously take away the rights of others. The rights of Chinese-American students to, to get into a school of their choice. Economic freedom. They take away your money. They take away your health care. And they use emotion and emotional leverage to do it. This is the essence of the far left. It is always going to implode on itself. Always. And you're seeing it now with this fascinating piece I saw in the, uh, in the, in the Examiner. It's definitely worth your time.
You're going to see this in the future, folks. Mark my words. The Hispanic community, you're already seeing it in Texas, starting to find out that the Republicans are the one that aligns uh, that, that align more with their social values, their religious values, their family values. You're already seeing it. It's only a matter of time. Identity politics only works for so long before the movement collapses on itself because you cannot support unfettered immigration and high black employment uh, rates. You cannot support um, educational freedom while simultaneously discriminating against Asian Americans. These are not parallel goals. They're perpendicular. They go in opposite directions. Speaking of uh, the Democrats lurch to the far left, my last story of the day. Uh, this, I, I, What's her name? Abby Johnson? Yeah, Abby Johnson, who is a uh, used to work in an abortion clinic, I believe, and now has a movie out. She's become a pretty prominent uh, life activist and supporter of life, uh, working against the pro-abortion movement. They have a movie, a movie uh, out called Unplanned. Um, it, it's she said something this morning that really hit me. Again, I'm, I'm transitioning here because the Democrats have lurched now into support for third-term abortion. In other words, terminating the life of fully formed children in the womb. Lungs, eyes, heartbeat, pain, mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. Fully formed infants, third trimester. The Democrats, Beto and others, are now all in the pro-abortion movement on not only just abortion, but third trimester abortion too. And as we saw in Virginia and New York, actual infanticide, where a child is born and is allowed to die or killed. Amazing. And by amazing, I mean absolutely atrocious. And I can't, I can't find the words to think about what kind of human being would do that. I mean, you have to have zero moral character at all. So that they have this uh, this movie out, Unplanned, that's getting a lot of buzz about the abortion industry that Abby Johnson put out. She gave an interview on Fox and Friends this morning. It was fascinating. She brought up a really good point. She believes that the Motion Picture uh, Association that that rates the movies, you know, gives them the ratings, mm-hmm. NC-17, R, uh, PG-13, PGG, whatever it may be, the Motion Picture Association, ironically, in a movie about abortion, Joe, gave the unpla- unplanned, the movie, gave them an R rating. Paula has the headline up from LifeSite News. Uh, the headline, this is from uh, their opinion piece. Movies with sex and violence get rated PG-13. Why does pro-life, quote, unplanned, the movie, get an R? Well, I think we all know it's due to Hollywood bias. Mm-hmm. But what a powerful point Miss Johnson made this morning on Fox & Friends, Joe. She said, think about it. <laughs> Just goes to show you how the left continually self-owns itself. You know, owning the libs is easy, but they usually own themselves when you give them time. She said, you know, the Motion Picture Association and the liberals in Hollywood inadvertently stepped on their own message. Think about it. Abortion is so grotesque and horrible to watch on the big screen, Joe, that it needs an R rating. Yet the pro-abortion crowd that actively lobbies for abortion wants the very same 16-year-olds to be able to walk into abortion clinic without parental notification and terminate the life of a child in the womb. So think about this. Mm. Think about how the left in Hollywood stepped on their own message. Oh, yeah. oh abortion's no big deal. Really? That it, why does it need an R rating to watch a movie about it? Right, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. And then point number two, which Abby Johnson made this morning, which is brilliant. So pro-abortionists, you're telling me that a 16-year-old should be able to go into an abortion clinic without her parents even knowing, terminate the life of a child in the womb, but that same 16-year-old is not even allowed into a movie about the abortion procedure she just underwent or is going to undergo. It was a one of those points where I had a, I immediate. This is my 
I'll show you this for you YouTubers at home. That's my notebook for the day. I took a note immediately on that. I said, that is a brilliant point. Sometimes it's tough to make arguments and it takes people with good, clear thinking thoughts to push away all the fog and just make a very clear point. That is it. So a 16-year-old can terminate the life of a child in the womb without our parents ever knowing, but cannot see a movie about abortion. I, I mean, it was really a brilliant point. Very well done. Um, hat tip to Abby Johnson. And um, I'll do it today. Let me take a note on that tickets. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah, brilliant point. Um, folks, please go out and buy a ticket to Unplanned. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, asking you, even if you don't see it, um, I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to have to do that today. Go buy a ticket to the movie Unplanned. We have to support uh, these movies and an entertainment culture that supports our cause. I know some of you may not have time. Just buy a ticket. Support it, please. I, I'm just asking you. I'll do it. I'm not trying to speak with forked tongue here. So um, I'd appreciate you doing that. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. It was a stack show today. Thanks for hanging with me yesterday. It was a lot of travel uh, back and forth. And the YouTube channel has really done very well. So thank you. I'm, I'm glad you guys like the video. And ladies, you can also watch it, by the way, the video up on Gino.com. Uh, go to YouTube.com slash Bongino. Check out, leave a comment on the show. And we appreciate you all subscribing to the audio podcast as well. If you go to iTunes on your a podcast app on your phone. It's on everybody's phone. It's a little purple thing. Uh, if you have an iTunes, uh, iTunes, please click the subscribe button. It's free. The subscriptions are free. It helps us move up the charts. If you have an Android phone, you can go to iHeart, SoundCloud, follow us there again. Completely free. We really appreciate that you do that. It helps us move up the charts. Keeps our marketing costs down. We're trying to keep the show very cost effective. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.